Buy low, sell high. Very easy to say, but not always so easy to do. For example, high interest rates are hurting the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices in a lot of markets are falling, even for many of the best assets. So it's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting fundrise.com pockets, fundrise.com pockets. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single-family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. The dream of owning a vacation home can be daunting. From finding the best guests, to the maintenance, to organizing the cleaners after every guest day. With Vacasa, they make that dream into a reality. As a full-service vacation home management company with vacation homes in key destinations across the U.S., they know a thing about how to make owning a vacation home easy and profitable. On top of proactive property maintenance visits by professional local teams, a hospitality-driven booking platform, and around-the-clock support, Vacasa earns homeowners an average of 20% more revenue from their vacation homes. Vacasa is always thinking of ways to simplify the vacation home owning experience by putting your home to work for you. If you're looking to make more from your vacation home, work with the reliable property manager, and finally have peace of mind, partner with Vacasa at vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. That's vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. Hey everyone, welcome to On The Market. I'm your host, Dave Meyer, joined today by Kathy Fecky and James Daynard. How are you both? Wonderful. Survived a, a hurricane and an earthquake in the same day. <laughs> yeah, you had a little bit of a one-two punch there. Well, you know, it wasn't really a, a hurricane, but for Californians, it was like a category four. So, you know, we we survived it. But tell <laughs> everyone what you told James and I you're going to go do later today. I'm going to go surf those hurricane waves just for like <laughs> <way> I did. <laughs> It's just so badass. I would be so terrified, but that sounds very fun if you're competent enough to do that. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. You know, my roof did spring a lake. I was sitting in my house and all the rain, it was like a slow, slow drizzle. It was actually a normal Seattle day for this tropical storm. It was just rainy and drizzly. But all of a sudden I started hearing the dribble in the hallway and I'm like, oh no. Yeah, I thought Seattle, like, yeah, like you said, this is just a normal occurrence where it just rains nonstop. It was like a four out of 10 for like a normal Seattle. Day. It's like just, it was just a January like 18th normal day. Well, I'm glad you're both okay. And hopefully it doesn't turn into to anything more than that. 
We're going to tangentially actually talk a little bit more about this today because we're going to talk about insurance costs because we have a correspondence show where Kathy, James, and myself have all brought a relevant news story to the show, and we're going to talk and discuss about the implications of each of them. So in addition to talking about insurance costs, we're also going to be talking about mortgage rates and how those keep going up and new home sales and what Warren Buffett is doing about it. So you're definitely going to want to listen to each of these stories and understand how they may impact your financial decisions. But first, we have a little game to play. In this game, we're going to be talking about housing inventory, which I feel like is like the word of 2023. And I have three questions for you you and see how well each of you do on this. The first question, James, let's start with you, is which month and year had the lowest housing inventory in recent history? We're talking the last five years. You know, I'm going to go April 2022 because the market was just I mean, we were selling everything way over. There was nothing for sale. Okay. I think I, I think in our local market, we were down to like it was like under a half month's worth of inventory. So that's that's what I'm going with. It was the hottest I've ever seen it. So this was when like rates had already started going up and everyone had FOMO and they were just buying anything that came on the market, April 22. Yeah, they were just starting to like just starting to step on those rates. But then the people with locked in rates were in that frenzy to kind of get the rest, you know, to lock in, get closed. So that, that's my prediction. All right, Kathy. I am going to say March of 2022 for the same reasons. It was it was the time to get in before rates went up and there was already a frenzy. Well, I kind of wanted to guess something around then, but I'm going to guess, I actually don't know the answer to this off the top of my head, but I'm going to say May of 2020 mm. because like that's when everyone just, everything just stopped and maybe that went happened. So the answer, Kathy, you're so freaking good at these. You always get them right. It's March 2022 was exactly correct. Maybe you cheated or no, maybe no, you're just I really have, good at this. <laughs> I do quarterly housing updates for, at Real Wealth and I have this Altus research slide and I mm. talk about it all the time. So that one I knew. Damn. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, let's see if you can do this next one. How many homes were on the market as of July 2023? You can round to the nearest thousand. We won't ask you to get it exactly correct. <laughs> July 2023, I want to say, I'm going to really botch this one, but it was somewhere around 400,000, 420. I'll say 420, 420,000, okay. but I'm talking single family homes. Okay. And James, what about you? You know what? I, I also just did a market update, so I'm, I'm, I, I, I think it's about 1.5 million homes, if I remember right. Okay. So the answer is 647,000 homes. And this is according to realtor.com. And Kathy, just so you know, this is uh, the way they measure this is active single family and also condo townhome listings. So only about 650,000 in July in 2023, which brings us to our final question, which is, how many homes were on the market in July 2016? So if we go back seven years, how many homes were on the market, James? What do you got? Back then, the market was a lot more... St- you know, I'm going with about a million homes because I would think there's about 30 to 40% more. Kathy? This is going to be a wild guess, but I I feel like right now we're about half of where we were. So if we're, I would say 1.2 million. 
It is 1.46 million. Whoa. So we are well under half of total inventory according again this is according to realtor.com um in inventory. So as I sort of was joking before that this is the the word of the year in the housing market for 2023, it sort of makes sense. When inventory or supply really in any sort of marketplace drops that dramatically, obviously some wonky and weird things are going to happen. And um, we all know what's happened with with this inventory dropping throughout 2023. So pretty good job. You were all like, you were directionally correct about all of these. So <laughs> I know these are very difficult. So great job on these. Directionally correct. That's, I'm going to put that on my wall. That's, that's what, that's what <laughs> analysts say when you're wrong, but you want to sound right. Is you say, you know, we're, it was kind of in the right direction. Right. <laughs> you're wrong. Good for you. You get a trophy. <laughs> no, you nailed one, Kathy and James. You were pretty damn close. So we'll give it to you. Yeah, I was also really far off on one of them. So. <laughs> That's all right. That's okay. Just keep selling them, man. Just keep going. <laughs> all right. Well, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back with our three stories to discuss. Remember when you had to pay to get a lead's phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high-quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do-not-call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my 9-to-5 job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Top real estate investors love to talk about how they save so much on taxes. But how are they able to build rental property empires while skirting Uncle Sam? 1031 exchanges. 1031 exchanges allow you to defer capital gains taxes while you sell an investment property, exchanging your old property for a bigger, better one and avoiding the tax man while you do it. And that's where First American Exchange Company comes in. They're the leaders in 1031 exchanges. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting, First American Exchange can help you with simple rental property exchanges, complex commercial real estate investments, reverse exchanges, and more. 
Don't let your taxes eat into your profits. Visit First American Exchange Company at firstexchange.com or call them at 800-556-2520. That's firstexchange.com or 800-556-2520. Keep your money in your pocket and propel your portfolio further at firstexchange.com. First American Exchange Company does not provide tax or legal advice. Consult your financial, real estate, tax, or legal advisor about your circumstances. First American Exchange Company. Safe, smart, secure. Kathy, let's start with you. What story did you bring today? Mine is from Fortune, and it is titled, Warren Buffett Just Made a Big Bet on the U.S. Housing Market. Okay, so that should get your attention, right? Because usually he knows a thing or two about where to invest. So this article says, on Monday, Berkshire Hathaway disclosed to the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission that it made investments in three major home builders, D.R. Horton, Lennar, and NVR. But what should be noted here is that most of the investment went to DR Horton. And DR Horton is kind of known for creating the starter homes, the more affordable mm. homes, which is what is needed in today's market. Um, over the past decade, uh, there has been more household formation than new home creation. And any new homes that were being built generally were in the higher end because uh, because you can make a bigger profit from that. And so this affordable housing, the new supply, is it's just not there. And yet this is a time when we have a massive millennial bubble of first-time home buyers between the age of 30 to 34, forming families, having babies, pets. They want their first home, and that that first home is just not there. So when Warren Buffett does something, you should probably pay attention. I really wish someone had given me a little insider information here because stocks have just gone up like crazy in in these um these home builder stocks. So I look at this like 2012. In 2012 when the when the market was crashed and there were foreclosures everywhere and people were afraid to buy real estate, Warren Buffett went on CNBC and said, "Man, if I could he didn't say man, but he said, if I, could buy, <laughs> if I could buy a couple hundred thousand homes and put them on the rental market, if I, I would, if I knew a way to manage that. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly the institutional investors woke up and said, that's what we're going to do. They're like, yeah, we're going to go do that. Thanks, Warren. <laughs> so it's, it's just, uh, you know, we know at least. The National Association of Realtors says that over the past decade, there is six and a half million homes that weren't built that needed to be to keep up with the household Mm -hmm. formation. So how quickly can we get there, even with Warren Buffett's money? I don't know. I just hope they don't overbuild, you know, because when he says something, everybody jumps in. But this is, you know, perhaps this inventory problem will get solved over the next few years. I'm curious if Warren Buffett made any commentary about this yet, or is this just through SEC filings? I don't see anything in here that has a quote from him. So we can't, so we, I, I was just hoping he was like, yes, we're going to put all of our money in Spokane <laughs> or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> we, we could all just follow him like all the stock traders do. They just follow him around. But in real estate, we can't just follow Warren Buffett around, unfortunately. I think it's really everywhere. I, I don't know that there's a specific market. DR Horton is nationwide and nationwide there are issues with affordable housing. And I can tell you, I've said this before, 
Uh, but it is really hard to create affordable housing in today's market. Even though uh, the cost of goods has come down a bit since, you know, since 2020 and 2021, when, um, when builder supplies were out of control, you know, prices have come down, but they're still too high. And in our own subdivision in, in Utah, where we were required to do 30% affordable, it cost us about $850,000 to, to build an affordable townhome, just a townhome. And, uh, and, and we, we have to sell them. We're required to sell them for about 375,000. So it's costing us more than double to build it. So I, I don't know how DR Horton's going to do it, but I know mm-hmm. that is their thing. That's what they do. Maybe they're not as custom as the homes we're building, but you know, they're going to, yeah. they're going to get them up somehow. Well, Kathy, I stayed in one of your units and I can tell you DR Horton's finished package is not, not the same, but they build a, <laughs> they build a really good house for, especially for that first time home buyer, entry level builder. And, and I really like this article because it's it's Warren Buffett likes to invest in services and things that are in high demand and being able to build efficiently is very difficult right now. You know, these big track home builders like D.R. Horton, because they're buying such huge sites in the middle of kind of like the outskirts, right, that path of progress areas, they're able to obtain dirt a lot cheaper than infill metro. In addition to when they're building that many homes on one site, it is so much more efficient, which will drive down your cost. As inventory and housing shrinks and shrinks and shrinks, they need this product because it is affordable, and that's where the market's absorbing right now. Um, and, and big builders, they know how to build the right way for the right price that will allow everybody to continue to still be a homeowner because of the cost to build. Yeah, I mean, I, I I see this as a good thing. I mean, I don't really know a ton about Dr. Horton in particular and their and their business model, but I think anything that happens that encourages affordable housing in this country would be very beneficial. Obviously, you know, we some people were expecting prices to dip and make homes more affordable, but I, that hasn't happened. Affordability across the country is at like a thirty or thirty five year low, and so. This is a huge problem that we, that we talk about all the time. And so hopefully these builders and investors are seeing a path to creating more affordable housing inventory so more people can, like Kathy said, achieve what they want to in terms of their financial situation and home ownership. Yeah, you make a great point because you know a lot of people thought with interest rates going up last year that the housing market would crash. There were headlines everywhere about that, and everybody was wrong because what what higher rates actually did was make the market worse and more stuck because you're you're just not going to sell your house. You're not going to put it on the market, and therefore you know there's nothing for sale. The only thing that's going to be for sale is new homes. And that's why new home sales are up 23% versus existing home sales down 20%. That's what's for sale. Yeah. You know, this is an encouraging story, but I think it has to be a bigger trend. I just looked this up, but DR Horton, which is the biggest home builder in the country by volume since 2022, in the year ending June 30th, 2023, they built 83,000 homes. That's remarkable. It's insane. But even if they, you know, ratcheted up 20%, which would be big, that's really not making a dent in the total amount of homes that are needed, especially in this category. Um, And so hopefully people, other builders are encouraged and maybe learn something on how to efficiently build these more affordable homes um, so that we can get a significant amount of them on the market. I don't know what number is necessary to really chip away at that 
at that huge shortage. Uh, but I think DR Horton would need to like quadruple in size to really make a difference in the next few years on their own. Yeah. All right. Well, that's a great story. Thank you, Kathy. Uh, James, what do you got for us? Uh, we're talking about the squeeze right now. For us investors, we're getting squeezed on all sides. Uh, you're getting squeezed on your debt costs. It's a lot more expensive and uh, also insurance. And that's what this article talks about is commercial real estate is in trouble. Uh, climate change is a part of the problem. This is reported by Time. And what this article talks about is the cost of insurance, especially in areas that are susceptible to a natural disaster, like hurricanes and earthquakes in the same day. At the same time. At the same time. <laughs> You're going to need a whole new category of insurance. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what kind of coverage you need. Yeah, you need an earthquake and hurricane. So that that's causing problems for commercial real estate, especially um, in retail in those spots, because you know, rent growth has been very small, especially since the pandemic and in commercial real estate is already getting squeezed. We've been hearing about this for the last six months, right? Rates are, are going up. Uh, uh, notes are starting to balloon out. And in addition to cost of insurance is way, way up, especially in areas like uh, Denver because the wildfires or in Houston with the natural disaster in Miami. And, and it's a it's a big deal because the you know through from 2017 to 2022 the cost of retail rent only increased by 0.4% annually whereas the cost of insurance increased by 9%. Wait, did you just say retail? So you were talking about like uh you said commercial insurance, but this is not for multifamily. Or it's specifically for retail. Uh, this it referenced more about retail, but also in multifamily. Multifamily has also gone through the roof. I know um, in Houston alone, the premiums have spiked dramatically. And so what's happening to these investors, especially if they bought over the last couple of years, is they're getting squeezed because they didn't they didn't perform out this insurance premiums to spike this high. You know, insurance companies are having problems making, uh, you know, or there, there's been reports that they're having problems starting to cover these claims and they can be insolvent, which is a massive issue because of all these natural disasters. And so what's happening is, is it is not just retail, multifamily syndicators, especially ones that bought in the last year or so, they did, they did not anticipate this. And now their debt costs are also creeping up. And so they're getting squeezed on all sides and it could become a major issue. And it could also hit the residential homeowner too, because as pricing, you know, or like we were just talking about, as inventory shrunk to all time lows in that April, you know, April and March of 2022, people were really stretching themselves, even with those low rates. And now property taxes have reset. It's getting more expensive. And their insurance is also going up in these areas. Uh, you know, flood insurance, uh, hurricane insurance. Insurance companies are starting to drop coverage, which is making it harder to find, right? State Farm just dropped, uh, or they are not going to be issuing any new policies in California. And same with Allstate. Yeah. Um, and now farmers insurance is setting limits on California. So there's, you know, as the, the amount of coverage shrinks, the premiums could continue to grow and it could start to really cause an affordability crunch. Kathy, show us your insurance bill in California. I, we want to see I that. won't, but <laughs> <laughs> we, we have a house up the road that uh, we put an illegal deck on and put in windows without permits and kind of didn't really know that we needed a permits for those, but we kind of knew anyway, we got, we got a violation. Uh, so we're still, we still have that property and it's rented. The insurance on that property went from 2000 a year to 12,000 a year. So we are absolutely negative cash flow on that. 
uh, and we would love to sell it, but we have to cure these violations and you have no idea what it takes to get, it, it takes years to get permits for a deck. I know, I know. So, that, but insurance, most people where I live in California are not, they cannot insure uh, to the value of the home. It's just wow. not there anymore. You have California mandated insurance that goes to a million dollars. So, you know, in, there's a lot of areas where you, in California, where you can't build, rebuild for a million. So it is a, it is definitely an issue. It's a huge issue in Maui. Many of those people that lost their homes were not insured properly. So you, there's two parts to this. Make sure you've got somebody who understands your policy and what it covers. And believe me, you won't understand that. We are not as normal people. We're not, we're not meant to understand what's in that insurance policy. You need an expert to review it to make sure you're covered 100%. And to what, uh, you know, to James's point, I interviewed a bunch of people. We actually did a YouTube video for on the market. If you want to check that out, I interviewed a bunch of, uh, commercial investors or, um, apartment investors at a Dallas event. And they, yes, they are getting hammered. And Jimmy, you said their, their costs are inching up. No, 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 no. They are miling up. <laughs> like it's not inches, it's miles. The, uh, the insurance, imagine with my insurance going from two to 12 million, I mean, t 12, <laughs> 2000 to 12,000 with these multifamily, you've got to put zeros. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if they were paying 200,000, they're paying 2 million or whatever it is. They're, they cannot afford these new expenses because rents are simply not going up in a way to keep up with that. And then add the mortgage payments that again, did not double, almost tripled in some cases. So it's, it's a people in multifamily are in a world of hurt. Uh, not all, but many. And uh, I'm just thankful that I'm in, we have five syndications in, in guess what? Home building. <laughs> so, <laughs> so for a minute there during COVID, it was a scary thing to be in a scary investment in new homes. Cause it's like, Oh, is this market going to crash? And no, it just turns out it's going to be a, uh, you know, good investment to be bringing on new supply. Unfortunately, the affordable housing we're bringing on in Utah still is around $2 million. So not that affordable. <laughs> so what, what do you think, like, what do operators do in this scenario? Right? Like, I don't see insurance going down, right? Like, you know, it's not typically something that fluctuates. It's something that trends upward or shoots upward in this case over time. And if rent, which I believe, you know, is sort of suppressed, rent growth is suppressed right now. And at least in my opinion, will stay suppressed for a little while. Um, like what happens now? Well, there's a couple things you can do as an operator to drive this cost down. But it ha unfortunately, if you're already midstream, it's kind of a little too late and you kind of have to reperform on the deal uh, because you can take certain steps with your insurance companies. If you do a certain amount of improvements, it can reduce your insurance liability, right? Like in, in Washington, if we if we install a lot of drainage or any of these areas that have flooding issues and you install extra drainage that will help prevent the building from being damaged, it can actually reduce your cost or certain types of roofing, all these things are retrofitting your building, taking it up to a new standard so the building's more secure will help your policies. But the issue is that costs more money and you need to account for that when you're in feasibility or you're going to perform out that deal. And so many of these syndicators might have to look at what's the cost analysis. If they have to spend a certain amount, will it get their insurance premium down? And they're going to have to either raise more capital and put more money in the deal to try to drive the premiums down 
or they're going to have to absorb it and wait for the rents to keep going. But it's not, you know, you're getting squeezed, you know, and so it's really going to change how people are underwriting in these markets that are susceptible to this, like upfront cost, you either need to factor in a higher insurance premium increase or put more money into the building up front to drive those costs down. And James, do you think those those same pieces of advice are applicable to residential real estate as well? I Yes, I do. Because, you know, also, if you have a short term rental or any kind of rental property out of state, you know, those like Kathy just mentioned, I mean, that's a single family house, 2000 to 12,000 is detrimental to your to your mm-hmm. performing your cash flow. And so you really have to count for this going forward. And, you know, it, it's it's going to be an issue across the board. And I think it could like, you know, for me, I don't like dealing with those weird var- variables like that. I, that will make me stay out of those markets because I like to just kind of buy, you know, things that are more stable with more steady growth. I think it could slow the demand in some of these seasonal areas, especially with the Airbnb markets. Oh, yeah. I mean, like based on what Kathy was saying, I have an Airbnb in, in Colorado in the mountains and I can't get the full property insured, um, the full replacement cost um, because of the the wildfires. And just in the last two years, we've had evacuations and, and all sorts of things that are, you know, they're not doing it for no reason. Like there there is risk. And so um, it's definitely something we'll, you'll have to consider um, as a as a home buyer. And James, uh, as you to your point out, if, if people ha- can't afford it, home prices might negatively be impacted in, in those markets. Yeah, and then also it's like, what's going to happen with these lenders if there's if these properties start to become very underinsured because people can't cover their premiums? That could be a major pressure point, or they can do that forced place insurance, which is extremely expensive. Yeah, I don't know how this all works out, but something I I, I wonder if we'll start to see more. Uh, like in Florida, they have a state insurance. Um, I forget what it's called, but they have like a insurer of last resort, um, basically, um, that's sponsored by the state government there. Um, and I wonder if we'll start to see that in other places. Well, that's like, what we have. You do have that in California too. It's called California Fair Plan, and and if you, it's the lender, it's the insurer of last. It's it's California basically. So basically, but you still buy a policy, right? So you buy a policy essentially from a government agency. I don't know quite how it works. Maybe, maybe California backs it if I'm not sure, but that's what you can get if you can't get insurance. And it's not great. You know, it's not the best insurance. It's like I said, it, it caps at a million and, you know, find me a, a house along the coast that you know that you can rebuild for a million. Yeah. Well, this is definitely something we should keep an eye on because, uh, you know, in recent years, we've seen this start to go up. I know in, in Florida, premiums have gone up 40% in the last few years, as James said, certain places in Texas, um, you know, I'm sure in some of the places that have been recently impacted by natural disasters, we'll see that as well. So uh, definitely something to keep an eye on because it, it's one of those sneaky things like for I don't know. The first 10 years I invested, I never even really thought about it. It just would go up, you know, like three or 4% a year and you'd had a pretty good sense of it, but it is becoming like a real variable, um, in, and yeah. that can impact your bottom line. As James said, like if, if that level of uncertainty, um, is obviously unappealing to anyone investing. You know, it's interesting though, Dave, I, I'd mentioned, I, I bought a, a brand new duplex in Palm coast, which is pretty close to the coast in Florida. Yeah. 
But because it's brand new, our insurance is really low. So I think there is this belief that no matter what, you're going to pay a lot. But if you have a, a property that was built sort of to today's standards, um, it, the insurance is much, much lower. So people think that they that is a bad investment to buy a new home because it's um, more expensive. But when you add all those factors of less repair costs and lower insurance, uh, it's it's really actually we're cash flowing really well on it. Plus, we got that that low rate because we were able to negotiate with the builder to pay down points to pay points to pay the rate down. That's a great point. Uh, and, and just going back to the short term rental I was talking about, like your HOA and different things can do things as well. Uh, like we're a quote unquote fire safe community where they do like fire mitigation and they built cisterns and all these different things. With the intention, obviously, of saving homes, but it also helps bring down insurance costs if you can show that you, you know, like Kathy said, have a modern home that is built up to modern standards and, you know, the community is proactive about trying to reduce any potential risk. Yeah. And, and to the that point, uh, uh, one of our employees actually bought a home right where that last massive hurricane went through. Uh, which town was it in Florida? Was it Fort Myers? Fort, Cape Fort Coral? Myers. Yeah. 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 He he just bought a new home there, and the and the storm came through right over him, and you know the devastation wow. that storm caused, and nothing happened to his house. So it does matter. It does matter to have a, a home that's built to today's standards. That's good advice. All right. Well, for our last story, I've got one for you, and it's about something you would never guess, but it's interest rates and mortgage <laughs> rates because. <laughs> Although we talk about it all the time, they are doing something interesting. The Wall Street Journal reported just a couple of days ago, last week in the middle of August, sort of the end of August, that the average mortgage rate rose to 7.09%, which is the highest level in more than 20 years. And we've been talking about high interest rates, but just for context, up until the last few weeks... We had sort of peaked for the cycle back last November, November of 2022. And then in 2023, we've seen a lot of fluctuations and variations, but it's mostly been in like the mid sixes and the high sixes. Now, recently, they've shot up. Last week, the reading was at 7.1%. And I was just nerding out here before and looking at treasury yields before, and they've been going up. And so I expect, you know, as of this reading, it's what is it today? The 21st of August, we're recording this. Um, I expect that mortgage rates this week will probably shoot up to 7.3 or maybe 7.4. Um, so it is really going up. And I think the really interesting thing here is that it's happening at a time when you usually see that seasonal decline in housing activity. And so to me, I'm just curious. We've seen the housing market be more resilient than I thought it would be. Um, but I'm curious if you guys think that this upward, you know, this new leg up on the mortgage charts will maybe take some wind out of the housing market uh, in the next couple of months. I'm definitely feeling it slowing things down. Uh, the, you know, and, and part of that's just that seasonal slowdown is, I mean, we, we be, the pandemic made us forget about these seasons a little bit because it didn't matter. But we, I mean, I'm seeing the showing activity drop pretty rapidly right now. I know mortgage apps are way down week over week. Um, and, you know, it's getting expensive. I kind of felt like the market was actually very fluid when the rates were about 6.6, 6.75. It was kind of like that perfect, I think, affordable pricing in there. But as median home prices continue to keep going and, and you know, we haven't seen that dip, it, the rates could cause it to come down because the buyer activity has dropped 
pretty substantially in the last 30 days, at least in our market. And it sounds like it's a kind of across the board because it is expensive. You run these mortgage calculations, you're like, man, is it worth it? Yeah. And yeah. And, and if they're thinking, is it worth it? It's going it, to, they're going to sit on the sidelines for a little bit. To me, this kind of, again, comes down to the high price versus the low priced mm-hmm. markets in a, in a low priced affordable market where the homes are maybe 200, 300,000, a, a market like where Henry's in. The, the impact is really not going to be that much. It's going to be a few dollars, maybe $12 a month in payment difference from what it was just a few months ago. So in those markets, yeah, I don't, I don't think it will, it will matter. And it hasn't, uh, over the past 18 months. But in the higher price markets, absolutely that payment is hugely different when, when rates go up. So the big question is, will, will they continue to rise or will look, they come down? Nobody knows. Um, I think one of the reasons that they spiked is because the Fed is reducing its balance sheet and selling off some of their mortgage-backed securities, and they flooded the market, and the sales were not good. And the way the way the bond market works is if you want to attract investors, you have to give them a good return, right? So you have to give them a better return, which means higher rates. Mm-hmm. And um, and then if, if people are scared, then they don't care. They just want their money safe. And so even if bonds are selling for, you know, that two percent like or or zero or whatever like people just buy them because they're afraid to put their money anywhere else and that's not the case today so what this reflects is that a strong economy combined with the fed reducing its balance sheet so i have been in the camp of i think rates are going to come down and yet there are so many factors with the big one being the fed reducing its balance sheet and flooding the market with these bonds which drive prices up yeah, I, I unfortunately have been on the the higher for longer train for a few months now, and think this this is probably what we're going to see for a little while. It, I I think they will come down in twenty twenty four, but I think for for now we're going to see this. And part of me wonders, James, you mentioned affordability, which is obviously the major factor, but I always am curious if there's sort of this psychological impact here too, where it's like. Things are starting to go, you know, rates were peaking, they started to go down, people started to get comfortable, maybe feeling like, okay, they'll maybe be able to refinance in the next couple of months or next couple of years and and things will get even better for them. And now the fact that rates are reversing and shooting back up is just like discouraging people, even beyond, just like psychologically, even beyond the actual dollars and cents of it. Yeah, and I think it's discouraging in two ways, right? Inventory is really low. So what you can buy is pretty disappointing right now. When you look in most markets, it's just kind of, you know, it's kind of average. And then the cost of money has gone up. So people are just like, it's not worth it. And and I definitely yeah. feel like that is a psyche that you, I mean, we see the market, it's, it's like a, a, a seesaw. It goes up. It's just like this weird, quick movement. And it'll go for like a two-week run, and then it goes stale for two weeks. And then it goes for a two-week mm-hmm. run, and so it's very pulsating, and, and I, it does have to do with the rates. And one thing is, if, if Jerome Powell starts – if he starts hinting that the rates are going to go up again, then there's like this little surge because people get FOMO. So I think a lot of it is psychological mm-hmm. right now. Yeah, that that doesn't sound very good. Average, <laughs> average or bad inventory at a very high price. <laughs> It's not a very good sales proposition. Hopefully that's not what you're telling your clients, James. No, well, luckily we're looking for the uglies, so we can find those. Uh, And then, you know, right now, the good thing is if you're bringing a really good product to market and it's in that affordability range, it is still gone. Um, You know, it's they're moving quickly. But like Kathy said, the high end is people are being selective. They want what they want and they should. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to pay a lot of money for something, it better be something you like. Yeah. Feel good about it. 
All right. Well, those are our stories for today. Before we get out of here, we do have a crowdsource question, which comes from the Bigger Pockets forums. And today's question comes from Travis. He asks, can you get a HELOC, which is a home equity line of credit, on a rental property, or is it just your primary residence? That's a tough loan to get. You could probably get one, but you're going to pay double digits for that. (laughs) You can. The money's super tight right now on that product. The loan to value needs to be fairly low on that. I think it's it's about, I think you have to be below 70% loan to value. Um, And so that's the struggles. You can't really tap too much into the equity right now, but the products are out there. Some of the major banks have been bringing that back. Your your local banks are looking at it a little bit right now. Um, There is options, but they're expensive and the term... a lot of times you just can't quite get the money that you're looking for out of it. So it's not quite worth it. But uh, credit unions are a great way to go for this. I think one of the things you have to think about is like put yourself in a lender's shoes. They are going to offer the lowest rate on a primary residence because they know at the end of the day, if you get into financial bad situation, you're going to make payments on your primary residence because it's the place that you live as opposed to a rental property. And so that's why HELOCs are generally considered great options because a a lot of times the interest rate is similar to that of a 30-year fixed rate mortgage because lenders see it as very safe. Whereas when, uh, when they look at your rental property, I'm sure hopefully you're a responsible investor and make your payments, but they just see it as less safe. And especially in interest rate environments like this, they're going to be increasing their risk premiums to make sure that they cover themselves. So um, probably not the best time to to look for one, but you could. <laughs> There's a lot of trapped equity that people are trying to to tap and it's it's hard. I saw a really interesting post on I think it was Instagram and somebody said, "Yes, I refied my rental property from a 2% to a 7% rate because it's going to challenge me to find deals that make more than 7%." And I thought, "Okay, I'm just going to sit here in my 2%. I don't need to I don't need that challenge." Wow. But but you know, if you're going to get a HELOC at at ten, twelve percent, whatever it's going to be on that investment property, the seven percent all of a sudden sounds really good. Right. right, that's true. That's a good point. That's not the philosophy I would use. That's like those people who like go running with a weighted jacket just to like make it harder on themselves. Yeah, like, yeah. Running's hard enough. I don't. Oh, I don't need yeah. to make it any harder. Did, did you myself. meet my husband? Yeah. That, that Does guy. he do that? He would. <laughs> he would. But, <laughs> that makes sense. Rich is a beast. He probably doesn't even notice this on. He has three people on his back too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just the Hulk. Uh, all right. Well, thank you both for joining us today. This was a lot of fun. And thank you all for listening. We appreciate it. If you like this show, don't forget to give us a review on either Apple or Spotify. And we'll see you for the next episode of On the Market. On the Market is created by me, Dave Meyer, and Kaylin Bennett. Produced by Kaylin Bennett. Editing by Joel Esparza and Onyx Media. Research by Pooja Jindal. Copywriting by Nate Weintraub. And a very special thanks to the entire Bigger Pockets team. The content on the show On the Market are opinions only. All listeners should independently verify data points, opinions, and investment strategies. The housing market is changing, and finding your way right now can be a bit tricky. There are rate shifts, there are confusing headlines, but... 
At the end of the day, your goal hasn't changed. You probably still want financial freedom as much as ever. Well, the good thing is that experienced investors know it's not about trying to time the market. It's about the amount of time you have in the market. And if you're ready to get into real estate investing game, you can still do that, or you can take your game to the next level by finding an investor-friendly agent. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in just a few minutes. You head over to biggerpockets.com deals, enter in some details about what you want, where you want to buy, and boom, you instantly get matched with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investments in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.